Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice. And I'm Ellie Mistal. Yeah. I don't have my headphones on today, which means I can't hear your goddamn soundboard. Really? Mm. See, I, <laughs> I know you're doing it because you're a little click, click, clicky. Yeah. But yeah. I can't hear it, which well, is awesome. Yeah. No, um, that's true. You don't have headphones on. So we're recording here another episode. This time, we're going to talk a little bit about law school and applying to law school. and uh, some But of first... Yeah. First, since we're we are talking about uh, would be uh, baby lawyers. Yeah. And it was mentioned that I should have been angry about this last week. I will grind my gears here about the vagaries of potty training. Ooh. Okay. So I have a five-year-old, two-year-old. The two-and-a-half-year-old is right now in the throes of potty training. And I guess what I want from a kind of from a thinking like a lawyer standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Why do we impose potty training? on children when they're clearly too dumb and too impetuous to understand. Why isn't it more socially acceptable to just let the kids crap themselves until four or five or again, 10 or 11 when girls are watching? I don't know, but why can't we just wait until they can do it themselves as opposed to this, our current society, which involves rulemaking towards a mind that is not capable of accepting the rule, right? Well, well, I mean, but the mind is capable of accepting the rule, right? Like you've successfully potty trained your child. Well, I mean, we're, we're so that means we're getting there. Yeah, so that means that the mind actually is capable of it. And the alternative, of course, is you continue changing diapers for another ten years. The frontal lobe is not capable of under, right, right? It's not. You're not being able to train him through rational thought. You're only able to train him through you know the rote habit making, which is like a different part of the brain. That I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's a different part of the brain that mm-hmm. you're you're basically beating part of his brain into submission to the potty, as opposed to being able to elucidate him on the benefits of the potty. Right. If we waited till they were a little bit older, okay, uh, we wouldn't yeah, have to go. You through know this. what? You would. You are perfectly welcome to continue dealing with people crapping their pants for years to come. The rest of us just not going to do that. Yeah, yes. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, like because that's the thing. That's the downside of it for you. And, and I know the way to sell this. I'm going to make it all about you. Um, <laughs> this is all about your pain and your inconvenience, yes. not about anything else. Right. Yeah. And so you should embrace this moment. You're right. Because although the past week and a half has been terrible. Right. And we probably have at least another two or three weeks of generally a bad situation. Right. But after that's over, so like sometime in this summer. Yeah. Sometime this summer, I won't have to buy diapers anymore. Right. So there's going to be a cost savings. See, there you go. And then, yeah, sometimes this summer, I will not actually ever have to change because this is our last kid. I mean, my wife doesn't necessarily agree, but like it takes two. This yeah. is our last kid um, that we have together. Sometime this summer, I will no longer have to change yeah. human yeah. feces yeah. with my hands. Yeah. See, 
and then what this was just a demonstration of like how Judge Posner deals with decision making. <laughs> I found the practical goal and walked you through the incentives until you got there. I'm usually not a law and economics guy, <laughs> but it's it's a powerful it's a powerful decision matrix. Yeah. So but no, I I think that we've solved potty training here. And now from I guess we'll take a quick break, but we'll transition then from babies who are crapping themselves to undergrads going to law school, which are not too different. It's not dissimilar. Yeah. All right. So we'll take a quick break. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. You could invest in marketing your firm. You could spend more time helping clients in need, or you could catch your daughter's soccer game. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With Clio, time tracking, billing, and matter management are fast and easy, giving you more time to focus on what really matters. And Clio is a complete practice management platform with plenty of tools and over 90 integrations to help you automate daily tasks such as document generation and court calendar. See how the right software can make it easier to manage your practice. Try Clio for free today at Clio. That's C-L-I-O dot com. Okay, welcome back. So let's talk about law school. Now, for those of you who have been listening to the show for a while, you know that a feature that we do every year are a series of episodes called that we kind of call The Decision, where we have people write in who are contemplating law school. Right. Uh, yeah. right. Uh, the U.S. News and World Report rankings for law schools um, just came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that usually kicks off decision season. Um, decision season for us usually ends when the above the law rankings come out, right? Um, which will be at the end of May. I'll just put in a quick plug. The above the law rankings come out later than the U.S. news rankings because the above the law rankings wait for the updated ABA statistics on hiring and placement. U.S. news is actually always looking a year uh, behind with that kind of stuff. And yet they date them a year ahead. Yes. So they're a year behind, date themselves a year ahead. So there's a two-year swing on the accuracy of their rankings. Gaslighting, bro. Gaslighting. Yeah. But um, during this time, these are the times. The reason why this is decision season is because these are generally when law school um, admission fees come due, right? You got to make your deposit for whatever law school you're going to attend right around uh, this time. So people who are lucky enough to have multiple offers um, to go to different law schools tend to ask us what we think. We try to give them, you know, in a kind of an unvarnished, true opinion of where they should go prestige versus money region, those kinds of considerations. So we have a couple of people who knew that we were going to do this and sent them already. Um, but if you have your own decision um, that you are trying to make, please feel free to email us at tips, that's T-I-P-S, at abovethelaw.com. Um, we will get your email. We will read your email. Uh, we might use it for an actual post, or we might address your question um, in an upcoming podcast. So please, that's T-I-P-S, tips, at abovethelaw.com with your decision questions. Absolutely, yeah. And and that's a good reminder also to not just listen to this podcast, which you should do religiously and give reviews and all that sort of thing, but also to read above the law because we can we can deal with these in multiple different medium. So let's begin. I don't have headphones or a computer, so I'm just, I'm just the guy sitting here. Oh, I just had to wait for the drum roll to finish. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the... <laughs> The first one we have. So this is a question that came to us. It's kind of unique. It's not a multiple schools discussion. Oh, no. This, <laughs> well, all right. So 
the student is looking to ultimately go into kind of a big law sort of world, okay? They have, let's see, been have, have been admitted to, they put out, sent out a bunch of applications. They've been admitted to Boston University, okay? Scored a 166 on the LSAT. Question that they have is, given the dream of going into big law, getting into BU, should they attempt to retake the LSAT or roll with this and is BU fine? Are they getting any money at BU? No, that is not discussed in this. The question only is retake or not. Yeah, so 166 is a difficult score to know um, whether or not you should retake it without kind of knowing more about what kind of a test taker you are. If I got a 166, I would retake. I would know I have some confidence in my test taking abilities. I can, I can, I did in fact, but I, I, I can score. I would have some confidence that I could pop better than a 166. And at the level that he's talking about, you know, the difference between a 166 and a 170, the difference between a 166 and a 171, that's not nothing. That Those five points yeah. is a significant difference. That can be the difference between going to BUBC, nothing, not that there's anything wrong with those schools, um, or, you know, being, depending on some other factors, kind of an outside competitive at Harvard. Um, certainly being competitive at, you know, your your Dukes and your Vanderbilts. Um, if all you're concerned about with big law, um, a 170 is certainly competitive at Georgetown. So if you're only goal is big law with this thing um, and you feel confident that you can get a better score there's a lot to be said for taking it again yeah my advice was because i already wrote this person back but my advice was if you feel you're kind of at this 166 it's okay to go to bu if your goal is big law i know people who are bu grads who work in big law you know are they going to work at Wachtell? Maybe that's a little bit harder, but are they going to work at an actual big law firm in New York or D.C. or, I guess, Boston, too, potentially? But probably even more importantly, if you're at BU. But if you want to be in a New York big law setting, BU is a perfectly fine school to do that from. It's, it's not in your like elite status, but it is definitely in the good enough that you could do that. 166 so, is not a bad score. Exactly. One thing that's not mentioned in this, uh, at least I don't think is mentioned yeah. in this query, that would really kind of, to me, be the deciding factor is, well, did you take a course before you got the 166 or not? Right? Right. Because if that is your course-free score, then, dear God, man, take a course and score better. Like, the, you know, if you're about to invest quarter of a million dollars potentially um, into your legal education, you should be willing to invest the $8,000 into your LSAT prep course. Hmm. So if 166 is what you're doing kind of raw, absolutely take a course and score better. Huh. Um, if 166 is the kind of pinnacle of taking a course and taking it seriously and kind of trying your best with it, then maybe you've reached a kind of natural top and 166 is a fine score and BU is a fine school. Yeah, and I also said that if you are at 166 and then you go to BU, if you you do have the option if you kick the hell out of your first year of shopping yourself around as a transfer student too. It's not a course that tons of people take, but it is definitely one that people have taken. And just to close the loop, I mean, mm -hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't say also, you're probably gonna freaking hate big law, right? Like it's not No. <laughs> like, right. 
most people don't actually like it. So when you're kind of going to law school saying like, oh, I only want big law like that, your desire to, to do only that um, could change pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, I, that, that's definitely true, too. But I mean, it, I don't think that's significant for this question, because it's not like if the answer were, oh, I don't want to do big law, your response would be, oh, well, then just go to Cooley. Like, you, right, right, right. it's still worth going to the better school. All right. Our second talk of the day is much more complex matrix. All okay. Right. All right. So get... Do I need, like, paper? Yeah. Uh, well, no, I, I mean, I've got it written down here. I can... I, I mean, like, speaking of LSAT courses, like, do I need to draw a picture? To yeah. <laughs> I didn't take an LSAT course, so I, I don't know how those things work, but... Let's see. So this one, I guess you, you don't have to ask questions, but I have it written down. And so like a dungeon master or something, you can ask me questions and I can like <laughs> tell you what they are. All right. So he's narrowed it down to, he or she has narrowed it down to three choices. Berkeley with a $120,000 scholarship. Chicago with a $30,000 scholarship. And Penn with an $80,000 scholarship. Okay. Did he or she roll a black character? <laughs> yeah. You might want to avoid Penn <laughs> if you did roll a black character. Or any or minority, Chicago. frankly. Um, or Chicago. I mean, if you roll That's the, true, too. The Burks. If, if you roll the black character, um, $100,000 at Berkeley is going to be your winner right there. <laughs> It's uh, a threshold issue. So, okay, let's For say those it. of you who aren't familiar with those stories, you should be reading Above the Law more and just type in the words A.B. Wax or Edmund Burke, and it, it, it's going to come up. All right, so character here wants to uh, clerk, ultimately. But all three of these schools, I think, are sufficiently good that clerking is okay. going to happen at the We're going to go with Woodland Elf, not Dark Elf? Okay. Okay, yes. <laughs> let's, let's assume Woodland for the sake of this. All right, so... Um, Ba, ba, ba. So ultimately, it's clerking. Ultimately, wants to clerk and go into some appellate work. In fairness, that's what a lot of people say when they're starting out because it's the only thing you really understand. Um, appellate work is like your political science classes, so you kind of get it, but there's more to life than that. But still, if you want to go into that, there's plenty of options for you. All right, so clerk and wants to go into that appellate work, very interested in organizations like the ACLU, Southern Poverty Law Center, is okay with the idea of going to big law to pay off bills, but would rather not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it doesn't sound like she made the saving throw against uh, poverty, right? By the way, did she make like? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah okay, <laughs> you're continuing with this, um, with this analogy of Dungeons Dragons. I, sorry, I even raised it. So, um, yeah, no, no. I'm, apparently, I'm a nerd of the old school. Yeah. So, okay, understands that loan debt will be pretty high. But they do need loans, though, so they're, but they're willing to work a big while to pay that back if they need. New wrinkle. Chicago native. Ah. Ultimately wants to be there or is acceptable with D.C. So wants to be in those kind of places. So now we revisit Berkeley for 120, Chicago with 30, Penn with 80. Okay, I'm going to have, a, again, assuming a uh, white character. I'm going to go strong for Penn with 80. Okay. Chicago native is all nice, but the difference between, and I do think, especially if this particular person happens to be a bit conservative, Chicago is a great. I, I'm thinking going to the Southern Poverty Law Center suggests they are not. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I, I forgot that. That's, that's yeah. Well, then, okay. So now if you're going to tell me the person's left leaning, yeah. Chicago's just off the map. 
Like in the best of situations, Chicago might be a little better than Penn about getting you that clerkship. $50,000 a year better than Penn at getting you that clerkship? I don't know about that. And then certainly when you add in, maybe you're more concerned with social justice um, as opposed to kind of heritage foundation stuff. Chicago just no longer really is in the game here. Mm -hmm. Between Penn and Berkeley, I'm going to go slightly with Penn just because she's what she's saying, what, what he or she is saying. Could be in D.C., wants to do appellate work. ACLU, uh, that that all kind of pulls me east as opposed to making me think I want to go all the way out west. I mean, I think that's very fair. I I was torn on this. Uh, I'm with you on the Chicago level. I think that's off the table in this scenario. Uh, it's also good to get out of town for a little bit. It's only three years, you know. I feel like Berkeley's a lot more money and is still a great school. I just feel like Berkeley's the kind of place where you're going to get a lot of good experience. You're going to get a lot cheaper. I think that it is perfectly easy to go from there to the sorts of work that you're talking about. I'd also note that clerk-wise, to the extent there are alumni connection, clerking sorts of things, the West Coast is a is kind of a good place to be because there's a lot of judges out there who come from those schools that you have a leg up on in the negotiating that over everyone else. And I also think that there's... The Ninth Circuit's kind of a hot place to be just at the moment. <laughs> right. And and there's the Ninth Circuit being a hot place to be, but there's also, I feel like if even in starting one's career in an appellate practice, so much of the work gets sucked up by a couple of firms and a couple of lawyers when you start venturing into the D.C. and Chicago, even with the Jenner and Block folks. So like when you're, you're dealing with those kind of places, it, it gets sucked up into a few... Firms, whereas on the West Coast, there's a little bit more work to go around, I think. So even if you end up having to, even if the worst thing that happens to Berkeley is you end up staying in California for a couple of extra years of your starting out your career, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, look, you make good points, and I and I and I'm, I basically agree with you. Yeah. And again, certainly if you're if you're non-white, Berkeley is I think the clear choice. My main reason for for still kind of backing Penn is that Amy Wax aside. Penn is a generally underrated school. Agreed. People kind of generally don't realize just how good Penn Law is in terms of getting jobs, in terms of placing their own people, in terms of their alumni network. And so people tend to undervalue that. Look, you make a great point. Berkeley is $50,000 more that they're giving her. And uh, California is not a bad place to, to cool your heels if you have to stay there a little bit longer um, before you eventually move back to Chicago or the East Coast. Yeah. No, I think that's true. So we're done a little bit earlier than we usually are. Do you want to just chat about what's going on in the news? Those are the only two? Those are the only two we have so far. And I actually thought the money one was going to drag us out a little bit longer, but we kind of agree so much. So My favorite from, uh, and this guy has already made a decision, but speaking of some of the things that have been going on in the news, I had a guy uh, contact me ah. over Facebook who was choosing between University of Chicago Cornell, Northwestern. The University of Chicago gave them no money. Cornell gave them a lot of money. Northwestern was right in the middle. So I know what I told him. What's your... So what was it? It was Cornell... UFC, Northwestern. Wants big law. I mean, Cornell's giving the most money? Cornell's giving the most money. I think Cornell, then. I'll throw in African-American. I'd go to Cornell out of that, I think. 
right? Why? Um, Just straight money? I, I think the money's very good, but it's also it all is also a very good school that has ties to the New York and Big Lodge market. It's much like Penn, kind of underrated in that front. And if it's giving the most money, then that strikes me as the right answer. But um, I basically said the same. I, okay. I gave him a little bit more of a plug for Northwestern. Okay. Um, then you did kind of on the same way that I gave. It's a very close thing, and I shaded a little bit towards Penn. I shaded a little bit towards Northwestern um, because one of the things that he says is that you know, in in addition to him wanting the big law experience and big law money, basically, he was talking a lot about how the thing that he wanted to do in law school, at least, were clinics and those kinds of things. Mm. And you know, it's hard to if experiential learning is how you think you learn best. Yeah, um, it's hard to go against Northwestern's plan. There, they have been innovators and leaders in that kind of learning and so in the world we're like are you gonna get a better grade maybe at northwestern than cornell just because maybe it's teaching you in a way that so that's kind of how i went a little bit more on northwestern obviously again for both of us um and i think it's important for people to hear that right yeah Uh, we're both saying chicago just off the table in that situation um chicago is uh, you of chicago yeah right uh, U of Chicago, in U.S. News at least, is kind of much more highly ranked than Northwestern or Cornell, as opposed to our other person, who was, you know, Chicago and Penn are actually very, very close to the U.S. Mm-hmm. News. Um, Chicago has real distance between Northwestern or Cornell. But Chicago at no money as an African-American, when other schools are giving you money, yeah, they can't make that case right now. Well, I mean, it, it certainly has been a rough couple of months for them on that score. Okay, so I actually had a conversation the other day too, but this one was pretty easy. I don't even remember what the other schools were, but came up and he's like, well, so I got a couple things. I got this, 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 but I'm also in at Stanford and I'm going out there and I was like, yes, you're you're done here. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me, let me ask a question. Is one of the next things you're going to say Yale? Because otherwise you're done here. You're absolutely going to Stanford. We're finished. Please don't continue to drag this out. Yeah. Look, law school is ridiculously expensive. I think over expensive. It's hard. It's the problem with with saying all the time that law school is too expensive is that in this world, given where the market is, Harvard, Yale and Stanford are bargains. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's astounding constantly to look at how much Yale, Harvard and Stanford are. And then you look at what one of the worst law schools in the country is, and it's almost the same. And you go, how can that possibly be? You know, there are law schools that are at the literal bottom of any ranking anywhere that are charging just $10,000 less a year yeah. than Yale, just $8,000 less a year than Stanford. And if that's the market, Stanford's a steal. Yeah. Yale's a steal. If... Uh, I don't want to dog any particular. I mean, I, do, I want to dog every school, but yeah, you know, if Emory, because it's in the South, and I can usually get away with making fun of the South, if Emory is going to, ch- and there's nothing wrong with Emory, if Emory is going to charge forty thousand dollars a year, then Yale should be able to charge eighty. You know, and, yeah. and and that's the kind of separation that you're looking at at the HYS level. You love how I keep putting Harvard first when I say that. Yeah, uh, no, um, <laughs> despite. Years and years of actual studies. All evidence to the contrary. Um, at that HYS level, you're getting something even more. You're getting a lot of bank for your buck because if you're interested in big law, you're covered. If you're interested in 
practicing law outside the country, you're covered. If you're interested in being a Supreme Court justice, you're covered. They put you into a different strata that only kind of the top 10% at the other top 15 schools can even think about doing for you. Yeah. I mean, the gap between some of the, I was just looking at some recent data, the net, you know, like undiscounted costs of the top tier schools are yet roughly 70 grand at this point over the bottom tier schools. But you got to think about that. That is 70 grand. That is, you got to start discounting out over the life of your career. And even if your career is 10 years, you leave law reasonably young. If your career is 10 years, that's 7,000 a year. If you're going it, the the quality of job that you're going to get at the better school will more than cover the seven grand a year difference. So nothing of the quality, and this is, again, all everybody likes, oh, you can do anything with a law degree. Mm. Mm-hmm. But with a Yale law degree, nah, y'all can do anything. <laughs> I mean, in <laughs> fact, well, actually, with a Yale law degree, the one thing you may not be able to do is actually be a lawyer. <laughs> um, you could become the head of the defense department of a small caribbean nation but you <laughs> will not necessarily be a lawyer it is i mean it's they say skull and bones but like that's actually that school that school is just a giant skull and bones yeah. society so yeah if you get into yale go that's yeah. our that's our parting advice yeah and and that's what i said about stanford too i was like it unless you're gonna say yale which is in whole different discussion uh, if somebody then, asks if you're a god, you say yes. Yeah, uh, to bring it back to Ghostbusters as we try all the time. So yeah, so that's it. So seriously, though, everybody out there listening, if you're an undergrad or know and love an undergrad or frankly hate an undergrad, whatever, if you have anybody, you should let them know if they're contemplating law school and they have some questions about what to choose. We love these little hypotheticals. So send them to tips at com, and we'll uh, see if we can get them into a post or on the show. We'll try and get to as many as we can because it's good for us. It helps us, you know, get a look into what people are currently thinking. Uh, and it helps you all to get the benefit of, you know, at least our experience. So that sounded kind of depressing to say our experience. Our experience. But yeah, it's uh, old now. That's. That's why it sounded depressing. Well, I don't think it's so much old as we're two people who have made the affirmative decision not to practice law. So suggests we may have different priorities, but whatever. Well, the whole, the whole point of doing the podcast or doing it online is, or getting it into a post as well is that then you get the wisdom of the crowd. That's true, well. too. That's true, too, from all of our comments. Anyway, so that's it for the show. Thanks for listening. If you aren't subscribed, go do that right now. Seriously, just we'll stop. We'll let you go subscribe. Okay, we're back. And then you should give us a review too. Write something. Don't just give us stars, as lovely as those are. But the more that gets written and so on helps that algorithm understand that we're a law podcast that people might want to listen to. Follow us on Twitter. He's at L-E-N-Y-C. I'm at Joseph Patrice. Watch MSNBC. Ellie's on it pretty much every night now. (laughs) Um, So that's another way you can see him. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out, guys. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. 
and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.